morning family I started singing that song and forgot I was supposed to do the announcements I was sitting back there singing looking around like somebody's gonna do these announcements sooner or later and I was like all right that's me so welcome to the village church on this Easter Sunday this resurrection morning where our mission is to know Jesus to enjoy Jesus and to glorify Jesus our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus's love if this is your first time visiting us, scanning the QR code located in the front of the worship guide allows you to connect to all the information of our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one convenient place. Guests, please click on the menu item for first-time guests. Um, here at the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship, and you may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our, our address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, or after service, you may drop off your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Um, after worship today, there's no um, SEC classes. This week, Wednesday, um, April 12th at 7 p.m., there's corporate prayer in the sanctuary and via Zoom. On Thursday, April 13th at 7 a.m., the uh, Shipman Men's Group will meet at Just Love Coffee. And at 5 p.m., the Goodson Men's Group will meet at the church house. Next Sunday, April 16th, um, worship is at 9.30 uh, Sunday e equipment classes after service. At noon, the Teague Village Group will meet at the church house, and the Bricker Family um, uh, Village Group will meet in the fellowship hall. And at 6 p.m., there is leadership training. One last announcement. Miss um, Patience, where, where was she at? Tomorrow is her birthday, and it's also mine. We share a birthday. So happy birthday, Patience. Listen, Miss Patience goes above and beyond and does a wonderful job at leading worship here at the Village Church. And church would not be the same without you. We love you and appreciate you so much. So thank you. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. I don't know why these people get up here right before me and start saying stuff. It's not my daughter, it's my husband. 
They sound wacky, and now Marcus joins the ranks of disorienting me before I have to do my thing. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you more than you know. Well, good morning. In the words of Lyle Lee, y'all look beautiful this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. My uh, one thing that I've, I've come to love that my my sweet eldest daughter says when we are having family Bible time, we've been reading. Uh, or maybe I said this a few weeks ago. Our family's been reading through Psalm 119. And one of the things that she says, and you know, some of the other ones say this too, but she says this consistently, is, oh, I need to remember this word, this verse, this, this verse is a prayer. She, this verse is a prayer. I need to remember this because blah, 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 blah. Or this verse is something that I want to remember as a prayer. And a few days ago, thinking about this morning, I, for some reason I just had this thought of like, wow, I cannot wait to sing this song. Um, we're going to do Before the Throne of God right now as our song of uh, preparation to, to center, well, we don't center ourselves, <laughs> to uh, invite the Spirit to prepare our hearts and our minds for worship because we all know, and if you don't know, it's hard to do that on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. But I would invite you to, as we sing this song, I invite you to sing with me, or maybe you just want to sit and soak and meditate on it, or not necessarily sing it at all. You just talk to the Lord during this time. Um, Before the throne of God above, we have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Amen. So let's just use this song as a meditation and a prayer a prayer to the Lord as well as a declaration to one another.
Our call to worship this morning is from Mark 16, verses 2 through 13. Please join with me. We're in notes, people. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. He is risen. Amen. You may be seated.
Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. He is risen. I was um, thinking this morning about God. I just remember this time, it was many years ago, when I prayed, God, show me who Jesus is. And this is, I'm not kidding you, I really did that because I didn't know who he was. 
And over the years, he has just revealed himself to me, you know, layer upon layer, teaching me who he is, who I am in him. So I would just say today, if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, I just invite you to ask the Father to reveal him to you. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we enter into this Holy of Holies to worship you, the one who lived and died and rose again on our behalf, We know that before the foundation of the world, when there was nothing, our names were written in the book, in your book of life, of the Lamb who has been slain. Before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in you to be holy and blameless. Before there was time and there was space, you existed and knew that you would enter into this world to rescue us for yourself. We praise your name. We praise you that out of the silence you were the word that was spoken to create everything that we see. We praise you that you were before all things, that all things came into being through you, for you, and by you. And now, you hold all things together by the word of your power. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you that you stepped out of heaven and entered into this world on our behalf as the word became flesh. You were despised, you were forsaken. You bore our grief and our sorrow. You were pierced through for our transgressions. You were crushed for our iniquities. The chastening that we deserved fell on you. And by your stripes, by your scourging, we are healed. You were crushed, put to grief, and offered as a guilt offering on our behalf. Yours is the blood of the new covenant with us, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Out of your great love for us, you lay down your life for your sheep. Lord, we praise you that you are prophet, priest, and king. You are making all things new. You've made a new and living way for us into the presence of the Father through your blood and through your broken body. You're the bread of life. You're the light of the world. You're the door for us, the sheep. And you're our good shepherd. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And you're the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, you were. You are the great I am. You're the Alpha and the Omega who was and is and is to come. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for justification, sanctification, reconciliation, and resurrection. Thank you for purchasing us with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Our confession of faith uh, comes from the Heidelberg Catechism. I will ask the question, and you can uh, read the answer. What is your only comfort in life and in death? If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. It's interesting that um, this week I've, I've really been thinking about Isaiah 53, and it was surprising, but not that surprising, <laughs> that this verse came up uh, to read today. So. Maybe it was working on my pastor's heart the same way it was on me. I don't know. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all. To fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he has done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. 
as a result of the anguish of his soul. He will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured him out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Tools you gave to me, my hands, 
with the frustrations and annoyances and joys and disappointments of this life. You're acquainted with them. You know them because you walked in those spaces, but you did not sin. God, we just thank you. We thank you that we could be here today and we could sing praises to your name, that we could hear from your word and your spirit. Thank you for providing for our needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being a listening ear who inclines his ear to hear our cries, our petitions. Thank you that we can cast our cares at your feet knowing that you care for us. And thank you for your favor that you shower on us, that favor that encamps about us like a shield. We don't have enough words right now to say thank you. The list can go on and on and on. But we thank you also for this time to just take the moment to say thank you. Because sometimes we just don't. We just keep moving. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. saints and guests. Really, y'all kind of quiet, man. Jesus did conquer the grave, right? Amen. All right. He did defeat sin and death, right? Amen. For he is risen. Amen. And he is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Uh, on April 29th, Saturday, April 29th, the women's ministry will have a women's retreat at Mount Asano. Uh So that's April 29th uh, from 2 to 7 p.m. This will be a time of personal reflection, fellowship, time with Jesus. There will also be optional overnight stay if you want to camp. Uh, the event will also be near parking and also restrooms. So you can RSVP through flock night. So that's April 29th from 2 to 7, Women's Retreat. And you can RSVP through flock night. So you, we good? All right. Well, amen. So please open your Bible and Bible apps to Matthew chapter 10, if you have those with you. Matthew chapter 10. This will be the final message in the Resurrection Advocates Easter Sermon Series. And the title of this message is Sent Out by Jesus Part 3. Yes, it's a trilogy. Sent Out by Jesus Part 3. And the big idea hasn't changed. It's still resurrection advocates are sent out by Jesus to continue his mission to the world. Resurrection advocates are sent out by Jesus to continue his mission to the world. The sermon text is uh, Matthew 10, verses 5 through 15, with a primary focus on verses 8b through 10. In these verses, if you've been here the past three, two weeks, in these verses, Jesus gives instructions to his 12 disciples. He, he tells them how to walk in his missional footprints. He tells them how to do it. First, he instructs them to go out in pairs to assure missional partnership and companionship. 
Second, he instructs them to go only to the lost sheep to the, of the house of Israel as a temporary missional restriction. And third, he instructs them to give Israel the gospel of the kingdom. That's gospel truth and gospel deeds. And fourth, he instructs the twelve to personally connect with the people. Fifth, he instructs them to confer peace upon the households that will welcome them. And finally, with a sixth instruction, he instructs the twelve to trust God the Father as they continue his mission to the world. He instructs the twelve to trust God the Father as they continue his mission to the world. Please pray with him for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move in our hearts, that you will help us to understand what is preached today, that you will apply the truth of Scripture to our whole lives, to us holistically. You know the places where we do life. You know our fears, our pride, our insecurities, our self-righteousness. Like, you see it all. We can't hide any of that from you. And so my prayer is that you will humble our hearts, that you will humble our minds, and that we will come you know, with, with open hands and saying, will you minister to us? convict, rebuke, whatever needs to take place in our hearts and our lives today, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do it. You are the third person within the Godhead. You are the counselor who leads us into all truth. You are the deposit that guarantees our inheritance. You are our helper, our counselor. So will you please be all those things and more for us today, at this time, at this moment. In Christ's name that I pray. Amen. In the New Morning Mercies uh, devotional, uh, Paul Tripp shares a conversation he would have with his kids whenever he refused to let them do something that they wanted to do. He writes, when our children were very young, when I would refuse to let them do something, they didn't understand why. So they would begin to protest. Every parent can relate to that, right? I would then get down on my knees so I could see them face to face. And, and then I would tell them, and, and the conversation would go something like this. Do you know that your daddy loves you? Yes, I know my daddy loves me. Is your daddy mean and bad to you? No, you do not like to be mean. Is your daddy a horrible, bad daddy? The kid will say, no. Then listen to what daddy is going to say to you. I would like to tell you why I had to say no to what you wanted to do, but I can't. If I explained it to you, you wouldn't understand it anyway. So here's what I need you to do. You need to walk down the hallway and say to yourself, I don't know why my daddy said no to me, but I know my daddy loves me, and I'm going to trust my daddy. I don't know why my daddy said no to me. But I know my daddy loves me, and I'm going to trust my daddy. 
In a similar way, the 12 disciples are going to have to whisper the same words to themselves when Jesus gives them the details of this sixth and, and final instruction. For the details, they're hard to understand. They're going to feel out of place. They don't seem to make sense. And TV saints at this point, the 12 will have to say to themselves, we don't know why Jesus is instructing us to do these things. But we know Jesus loves us and we're going to trust him. We know that Jesus loves us and we're going to trust him. So what are the details of the, his sixth instruction to the 12? Look at verses 8b through verse 10. And Jesus says to them, all y'all receive without paying, give without paying. Acquire no gold, silver, or copper for your belt. No bag for your journey. No, no or two tonics and sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. Like I said, hard to understand. Difficult to accept. Seem out of place. Don't really make sense. What's happening? What is happening? Let's keep in mind what is actually taking place in verses 5 through 15. This is when context is important. Jesus is telling the 12 how he expects them to walk in his missional footprint. And the details of the sixth and final instruction are included in his expectations. Jesus is not sending them out to make a name for themselves. He's not sending them out so that they can use his mission to generate generational wealth. He's not sending them out to take advantage of people's hospitality and brokenness. He's not sending them out to continue his mission by using their own strength, their own performance, their own resources, and their own productivity. So what's happening? This instruction, this is an instruction to trust Jesus and the one who sent Jesus. That's Trust is underneath all the details of these verses. Trust is underneath what he's saying here. And remember what the disciples are going to have to say to themselves. We don't know why Jesus is instructing us to do these things, but we know Jesus loves us and we're going to trust him. They're to trust God the Father to provide for them and to meet their needs as they continue Jesus' mission to the world. One commentator says, God will supply their needs is, is the unspoken thought. They are not to rely on their own resources and cleverness. And the same is true for us today. If you have saving faith in Jesus, you're to trust him to meet our needs as we continue his mission to the world and our sphere of influence. Amen. Say so. We trust him to meet our needs. So do we trust Jesus? Do we believe him? Do we trust him to provide our daily bread and our provisions? Do we? Do we trust him even when the details of our life don't make sense? Live life long enough and you, you get to a place where this doesn't make sense. Can you trust him when life doesn't make sense? Do we trust him when the mission calls us to get outside of our comfort zone? Because it will. 
calls us to get outside of our comfort zone. Even when the mission calls us to give our time and our talents and, and our treasures, will we trust him? We will trust him when the mission calls us to serve in ways that we're just not gifted. Will we trust him then? Will we trust him when the mission interferes with our schedule and nap time, our plans, our politics, and our American life? Because it will. We would trust him then. At some point, each of us are gonna, gonna say these words. We don't know why Jesus is instructing us to do these things, but we know he loves us, so we're gonna trust him. Because please know everything in this life ain't always gonna make sense until you get to the other side. So you will have to say, I know Jesus loves me, and I'm gonna trust. Like the twelve have to trust him as he gives them the details of, of, of this final instruction. He, he's, sending them, he's not sending them out so they can trust in themselves. They are still to trust in him. In verse 8b, Jesus says to the twelve, you receive without paying, give without pay. What does this mean? I'm going to Eli 5. Do you know what that means, Eli 5? It's an online, online slang for explain like I'm five. So I'm going to do my best to explain like I'm five. You see, the 12 don't pay Jesus money to be his disciples and apostles. They don't pay him money for that. He doesn't ask them to pay him or to cash out them for commissioning them to go out and do his mission. He doesn't require them to pay for the message of the kingdom. He doesn't charge them a fee for giving them authority over unclean spirits and the ability to heal the sick. The gospel of the kingdom and the authority over unclean spirits and the ability to heal the sick are freely given to the twelve by Jesus because Jesus chose to do it. It's his free choice, not based upon their work and their performance and their giftedness and their productivity. The twelve can't earn what Jesus has given them. That's an amen statement. And please know, and you know what that also means? Those things do not belong to them either. That means they are to be used in a way Jesus wants them to use it, and that's for his glory. They have actually received the kingdom truth and kingdom deeds without pay. And now they are to give kingdom truth and kingdom deeds the same way they received them. That's free. They're not to charge people money to hear the gospel of the kingdom. They're not to charge people a fee for casting out demons and for healing them. For Jesus' mission to the world is a not-for-profit mission. It's not a pyramid scheme to make them wealthy. It's not a pyramid scheme for them to generate generational wealth. A seminary professor says these words by Jesus in verse 8b offers a not-for-profit principle necessary in the first century Mediterranean world because traveling preachers and healers often offered their services for money. In contrast, the church's missionary endeavors was not to become a money-making enterprise. It, it has to come in certain parts of the world. The disciples have received Jesus without paying him, and now they are to give 
without requiring payment. I love the message Bible translation. It says, you have been treated generously, now live generously. Trusting God is what will lead them to live generously as they continue Jesus' mission to the world. And the same applies to us today. If you are a Christian, if you have received Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, then Jesus has been generous to you. Now, there's a lot more of y'all here than that. Has Jesus been generous to you? And if you're not a Christian, he's been generous to you. Well, how's that, Pastor? Well, you got up this morning. You got up this morning. There's generosity because he didn't have to allow that to happen. You see, none of us paid Jesus to come to earth. You didn't text Jesus and say, I need you to come here. I need you to be born in the, in the, in the virgin birth. You didn't text him for that. You wasn't a headhunter recruiting Jesus to be the Savior. None of us had to give Jesus money to do what he did on Good Friday. You did not have to go take out a loan against your house. You didn't have to borrow money from the bank. You don't have to sell your food stamps. You don't have to go to the title loan place to get a loan to give Jesus. You, you don't have to give Jesus your income tax check for him to save you for your sins. We can't earn salvation. We can't work for God's acceptance and forgiveness. All we can do is freely receive him as a gift by surrendering our whole life to him in faith. If you are a Christian today, you have received without pay gospel truth and gospel deed. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not a result of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And now, we are to be resurrection advocates to people in our sphere of influences without requiring them to cash out us. We give people gospel truth and gospel deeds without requiring them to give us anything, without requiring them to come to our church, without requiring them to be part of our ministry or our church ministry or our campus ministry. You give them the gospel without any strings attached, without requiring them to be like you, without requiring them to assimilate into your culture, without requiring them to vote like you. We offer the gospel the same way we received it, and that's freely. Jesus said, come as you are. He didn't say change, then come. And we offer people the same thing, come as you are. You don't have to be like me to be a Christian. That's what we offer. All of us have been, we all have been treated generously. So let's live generously, both as a corporate body and as individual believers. Can we do that? What do you do? What, are, what, are, what do you do when you go on a trip, before going on a trip or to visit family who, who may live in another state? Like, what do you do before you leave? Many of us will prepare for the trip. We make preparations before we leave. The first thing many of us would do, we'll make a list. All right, do you make a list? A checklist. And so you, on that checklist, you will have clothes you need to pack. You need to prepare the vehicle, maybe an oil change, put air in the tires. You will go to the bank and get money. 
You will plan your route, you know, making sure you have the nice route. You will clean the house. You make sure you get snacks if you have a small kids, because traveling without snacks with small kids, I don't recommend it. And then you make sure all your electronic devices are charged. Again, a long trip if that doesn't happen. So all of us make some type of proud provisions before going on any journey, trip, or vacation. But Jesus tells the 12 to do the opposite. He tells them this in the second detail of this instruction. Look at verses eight and eight, look at verses nine and ten. He says, Acquire no gold, silver, or copper for your belt. No, no bag for your journey. No tunic or sandals or staff for your journey. The Greek term translated acquire also means to procure, to procure for oneself. And one Old Testament scholar says this term points to the serious effort to acquire what, what would be necessary to sustain them for their journey. So Jesus is telling the twelve, do not make prior provisions before y'all go on this missionary journey. Don't go get any more money for your money belt. Don't get a travel bag to store your possessions. Don't go get another tonic or a tunic or a pair of sandals. Don't go get a staff. At this point, the 12 are like, man, wait, what? Like, no prior provisions? We can't make a checklist? Can't make preparations? Like, Jesus, you know we're traveling by foot. Like, there's no Uber. And again, they're going to have to say to themselves, we don't know why Jesus tells us not to make prior preparations, but we know he loves us, and we're going to trust him. TBC Saints and guests, these details, this detail shows us and the 12, there's an urgency to the mission. It's so urgent that Jesus tells the 12, go as you are and with what you already have on you. That's what he's saying. Go as you are, take what you already have on you. If you already got a staff and money, that's what you take with you. You don't have to go and make plans and leave a week later. He said, I need y'all to go as soon as we're done here. And whatever you have on you, go. No, there's no need to make extra preparation. He says to travel lightly while on mission. Now, what's the application for us? There's an application for those of us who are in vocational ministry, and there's an application for those of us who are not. First, we need to know the mission is still urgent. Do we believe that? The mission is still urgent. The harvest is still plentiful. Second, we, we can continue Jesus' mission to the world as we are with what we have. Do you believe that? You can be a resurrection advocate for Christ where you are with what you have and what you, God has already given you. You don't have to have everything all figured out in order to share the gospel with people. Our life doesn't have to be ordered perfectly in order for us to be resurrection advocates. But do we believe that? Wherever you are and whatever you have is enough. But do you believe that? We could spend so much time in training, in preparation, and reading that we never do anything. We just study and read. Trust that the Spirit will give you what you need when you need it when it comes to giving the gospel to those that are in your life. 
Third, we should live lightly, not letting material comforts of this world distract us from walking in Jesus' missional footprint, because it can. The question is this, are we available? Are we available? It's an important question for us as American Christians because we're busy. Are we available? We sung about it earlier. Are we available? Finally, Jesus tells the 12 in verse 10b, for the laborer deserves his food. Now this verse in verse 8b are bookends to this instruction. In verse 8b, he says, you receive without pay, you give without pay. Now in verse 10, he says, the laborer deserves his food. Another commentator says the disciples are not to profit from the gospel, but their basic needs are to be met. They are to receive their sustenance from those with whom they must go. The worker is worthy of his or her food. And the same is true for those of us who are in vocational ministry. We're not in gospel ministry to become wealthy, but our livelihood does come from it. We must trust that God will meet our needs as we faithfully serve him for his glory and for the good of those that God has called us to serve. TBC Saints and Guests, everything that Jesus says in these verses is connected to what he says back in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 33. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In this sixth and final instruction, Jesus calling us in the twelve, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all our other needs, all those things that we think we need, he is going to provide. It might not be the way you want him to, but he will provide. We have to trust. We have to trust him. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? we got to give God some credit. If he made a way to deal with our sin, how will he not make a way to deal with everything else that we got going on in our life? Sometimes the, 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 the best prayer that we can say when we get up in the morning is this, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Because every day, every new day, we forget God's past faithfulness. Every day, we, next day, we think, man, this is going to be the day where he lets me down. No, it's not. It's not. I want all of us to remember when we when I started this series, I said this series is about us walking in Jesus's missional footprint. This means Jesus has done everything he's instructing the 12 to do. Please know that everything he tells them to do in verse 8b through verse 10, he himself has already done. Do you believe that? That's an amen statement. Did you know Jesus was sent on a missionary journey by God the Father? Him, the incarnation is his missionary journey. 
In John 6, verses 38 through 40, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was on the authority. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that the Father has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That is his missionary journey. And these are all amen statements now. Come on. Jesus lived a generous life. Do you believe that? He lived a generous life. He gives gospel truth and gospel deeds without requiring people to pay. In Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm telling you, he's already walked the path. You ain't doing nothing he has not already done. You're not creating your own footprint. Sorry. Not talking to you, Siri. He's already done it. Okay? He's already done it. So Jesus understands when it gets hard. He understands when, when, you, when you feel like God is instructing you to do something and you don't really understand it. Do you think Jesus was jumping up and down? Before going to the cross, the man was sweating blood. He asked God to take the cup from him. It's only Good Friday for us. He was struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane. But what did he say? Not my will be done, but yours. No, he knows what it's like. He knows. You see, he leaves the glory and riches of heaven for his missionary journey. Jesus got outside his comfort zone. That's the incarnation. He left heaven for you. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. When was he rich? I got to come on now. When was Jesus rich? When did he become poor? Incarnation. That's poverty. We know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. That's what Christ done. He knows what it's like to get outside comfort zone. He knows what it's like to not let the distractions of this world interfere with the mission. He completes his journey. He completes his mission. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And what did Jesus say from the cross? It is finished. In the Greek, it means it is finished. It is finished. Done. You don't have to get on the cross with him. It's over. The mission is complete. He dies once, not over and over again. Jesus is victorious over sin and death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus has been telling us in this series, he has already done. 
He is simply calling us to walk in his missional footprint. And guess what? He's with you all the way. He's with you all the way. He's with you all the way. Look at this table before you. This meal is a reminder that Jesus has already done everything he instructs you to do. It's a reminder that he sacrificed himself. Because no, they, no one took his life. Because at any given moment, he could have got down off that cross. I hope you know that. He could have got down off that cross, did this, and say, see you all on the flip side. But he hung there for you. He was pierced for you. He bled out for you. He did that. And that's what this meal is a reminder of. It's a reminder that he died on a Friday and he rose three days later. That the grave could not hold him down. Death could not hold him down. Jesus came to die. That's his missionary journey. That was the whole purpose of the incarnation. Now, we romanticize the Gospels. Let's be honest. The Gospel is really a Greek tragedy <laughs> with, a, with a great ending because he does come back again. And all that he did, he did so that sinners and enemies can be made right with a holy God. And so today, if you have faith in Christ, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then this meal is for you. He welcomes you to partake of this meal. And I believe that something supernatural takes place when believers corporately take communion. That the Spirit uses this meal to give us spiritual nourishment so that we can go back out and be resurrection advocates and live as sons and daughters for God in the world and places in which we live. Friends and neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, I'm glad that you're here. And if you have questions about what it means to be a believer, See me, one of the elders or the women shepherds, and we will talk with you about what it means to have faith in Christ. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by which you are, by the church that you are a member of. TBC kids, can I have the attention of all village kids? This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. And as your pastor, it's my prayer that each and every one of you will come to saving faith in Christ and be able to partake of this meal with your mom and dad, your grandparents, or your guardians, and with your church family. And as I said last week, if you have questions about what this meal represents, or if you have any questions about the Bible, the faith, I want your pastor too. Just ask your mom and dad, send me a text, and we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Just, just know I'm your pastor too. Now let us go to the Lord now and ask the Spirit to bless this meal. Holy Spirit, this bread, this juice, you are the one who makes them special in our life. You are the one who used this meal supernaturally to give us spiritual nourishment. And so we come and we pray that you would do that. You know the places where we need healing. 
We know that some of us are, our bodies are in pain. We know some of us need financial blessings. We know some of us need healing in relationships. We know some of us need healing mentally. So Lord, use this meal to nourish us, to give us what we need. And we, and we say, help our unbelief as well. Because sometimes we can just come to communion and just go through it as just another ritual that we do as Christians. So forgive us for making light of this when it's something that is very serious, when it is to an act of worship. So Holy Spirit, bless this. Use this meal to give us the nourishment that we need. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he had took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We also have prepackaged elements, so if you would like a prepackaged element, please let, one of the, el- let the elders know when they come by. I have decided to follow Turning back, I have decided.
sons and daughters of a good father is Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup, having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you. sons and daughters is Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that even right now at this moment, you still make intercession on our behalf. And we also look forward to the day in which you will return to take us back home with you. Until then, give us the energy stamina and the strength to live out of our daughtership and sonship and to be faithful reservoirs and advocates for your glory. In Christ's name that I pray. Pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we sing glory to his name.
be seated. We have a ministry moment. I would like to ask Emma to come forward. Good morning. Good morning. Um, um, so I'm just here to say that on Wednesday we have our corporate prayer. Our topic this week is lamentation. So if you would like to join us at the church or on Zoom at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, I would love to see you. Amen. Right, will you please stand now for the Lord's benediction? I know you're getting you get some exercise, ups and downs. So give me some burpees. Let's go. So if you are a guest today, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, if we would, I would love for you to scan the QR code on the front of your worship guide to fill out our guest form. That would definitely allow us to follow up with you um, this upcoming week. So now here's God's benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another and don't eat too much food. <laughs>